0: Hey everybody, how you doing? The Sunday after Easter Sunday, that's us today. Uh, Last week we talked about um, something. Uh, It's been a whole week ago, I don't know. We're going to be in in, uh, Exodus uh, 15 today or 20 or something. Exodus 20 today. Um, We talked about answering life's questions last week. And it was was fun, I really enjoyed that. But under... uh, um, We're working through the Ten Commandments, and today we're talking about telling the truth, basically. It's kind of what the whole topic is. Don't bear false witness. And I really thought about doing just continuing the series for Easter because you could have talked a lot about people who didn't tell the truth uh, around the crucifixion story, around Jesus' story. Because if you think about it, a lot of people didn't tell the truth. Um, That's how Jesus got crucified. You had... um, the religious leaders and they lied about jesus and they said he was a blasphemer and that sort of thing and then you had you had jesus's disciples and they were they said you know peter said uh i'm not going to deny you and and even if i have to die for you i'll do that and and jesus was like no you're going (laughs) to disown me three times before the before the rooster crows and and so peter didn't tell the truth and what's really interesting about that text is it also says that the disciples around peter agreed. So they all were like, yeah, we're willing to die. None of them really told the truth. And then you had Pilate. He was in charge of the, uh, of the, um, the this conviction of Jesus. And, and he said, I find nothing wrong with him. And yet, he still didn't tell the truth. And Jesus was crucified. And so it was an interesting idea. We didn't do that, but we could have done that. Because today we're, we're at the the ninth commandment. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. and We're talking about telling the truth. I went too far. Uh, Truth or consequences. We're going to talk about the Bible is really clear. In fact, New Testament, Old Testament, uh, in nearly every book, 66 books of the Bible, nearly every one of them deals at least in part with being a person of character, And telling the truth. So we're going to talk about that today. Now, the ten most common American lies. I found these and I thought they were interesting. Uh, Your table will be ready in a couple of minutes. That one is not usually true. One size does not fit all, although that's the label sometimes. This will hurt me more than it does you. Mama used to say that. She didn't tell the truth. Uh, Sorry I'm late. I got stuck in traffic. I don't think that's true most of the time. Uh, This will be a short meeting. Mm, Never a short meeting. Uh, this offer is limited to the first 50 callers. You ever heard that one? Uh, if you're not completely satisfied, we'll gladly refund your money. Not true. Uh, I just need five minutes of your time. Never true. Uh, I'll start my diet tomorrow. Can I get a witness? Uh, most of us, that one. I'm from the IRS and I'm here to help you. That, that is the biggest lie on the planet. There's a guy by the name of Leonard Keeler. He invented the polygraph machine, and he did tens of thousands of these polygraphs, you know, lie detectors. And here was his conclusion: You're going to be shocked. Um, his conclusion is: Human beings are basically deceptive. <laughs> really? Uh, you know, it's hard to believe, uh, dude. I'm glad you took all those tests to make sure that's true. So, really interesting. I don't know that we we sort of boil this down to do, don't lie. But look at what it really says. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbors. Now I want to tell you why that was really important when this was written. Back in the court system then, everything hinged on eyewitness. Like today you have DNA... You have fingerprints, you might have a voice recording or a video. There's a show on one of those uh, crime shows called uh, See No Evil. Anybody ever seen that? I love that. That's a good one. All right, See No Evil is a show where they they figure out who the criminals are by going and looking at videotapes of... um, like at the 7-Eleven or something, you know. So everybody's, by the way, you're all all being recorded now. Uh, So you shouldn't shoot me. That would be really bad. But uh, there are video cameras everywhere. If you've watched any Jason Bourne movie, you know that. And so uh, these video cameras are everywhere. Well, back in the day when this was written, none of that existed. All that's new technology, fingerprinting and all that. And so it was incumbent upon, if society was to function right, People had to tell the truth. Everything was based on an eyewitness. And look how serious it was. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a person is to be put to death. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only two witnesses. If you'll recall, when Jesus was on trial, there were a couple of people. That it took two To say, we heard him say that if the temple is destroyed, I'll rebuild it in three days. And and they consider that blasphemous, right? But it took two of them. It could never just be one. So this, this commandment to not give a false testimony was vital to their entire society. Because... All it would take is two people getting together and saying, hey, we don't like John, so why don't we talk bad about John and we'll accuse him of something and I'll say it and you say it and then we can get rid of John. Well, so God is saying this isn't the way it's supposed to work. Now, I'm going to go back to it just for a second. You shall not give false testimony. That is the letter of the law. But the spirit of the law is you shouldn't be untruthful anytime. Like, it shouldn't be you on the witness stand and you've put your hand on the Bible and said, I, t- I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That shouldn't be the only time you tell the truth. Um, in, these, in every one of these commandments, he sort of uh, God sort of takes the worst case scenario, like murder is the, the worst fit of anger you can have. So he's basically, and Jesus said, don't even be angry with your brother. Jesus always sort of boiled it down. But murder was the worst. Uh, Adultery was the worst case scenario. Jesus said don't even lust. So the worst case of lust is adultery. And so here, the worst case of lying is giving false testimony. It's the worst thing you could do. And, And that's sort of what he's talking about here, is that it's the very, very worst because God cares about justice. The God who said you should not murder, He says that because people are created in His image. He, he, is, he is interested in all of them. I was driving to, to church today. All right, let me right, let me, I'll see how you all feel. I'm driving to church today and there's a squirrel in the road. How many people break? How many people speed up? Yeah, it's a squirrel, right? It's like I'm kind of on the fence on that if I'm late i'm not, I'm not slowing down. you know uh, good luck squirrel. Now, what if it was a possum? Anybody breaking for a possum? They're big, they 'll hurt your car. Uh, yeah, okay. What if it's a kitten? who's breaking for a kitten? Everybody breaks for a kitten. Look around. the people don't have their hands up they're cold hearted. Evil people. What about a puppy? Who's not going to break for a puppy? Right? So mentally we make a distinction, don't we? It's like, squirrel, don't care. Uh, Puppy care. You know, I care about a puppy. All right, now let's take it to a different place. How many of us, when we hear about someone dying. We, we make this judgment. Alright, so, it's somebody, uh, let's say they were a drug dealer and a drug deal went bad and they got shot. And, and maybe you're not like this, but a little piece of me goes, well, they might have deserved that. They were in the wrong, They you know, they you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. I mean, that's kind of, you, you do bad things and, and bad stuff happens. Or, somebody that was notoriously evil, like a mass murderer or something, they get executed. And we read about that. And I don't know where our hearts are. But when God says don't murder, He's saying each and every person is important. Even the people that we don't think as much of, they're equally important. And so God is saying, in this commandment, don't bear false witness because the person about whom you're lying is is also created in the image of God. This person is really important. Everybody is really important. I've often wondered, how can you be a cop? Because I watch the show Cops every once in a while and everybody lies to them. I mean, it's just like everybody lies. I don't have any heroin and then he takes his hat off and heroin, but you know it's like, yeah, you do. I mean, uh, I don't know where that gun came from. You mean the gun that's in your hand? You know, it's like you they, it's like how do you how would you deal with that all the time? But each one of these people is important. And, and so God is saying to us, look, lies hurt people. You've heard that little expression, that kid, that little saying kids have, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Words are incredibly hurtful. Now, lying can take on a couple of forms. It could be distortion. You can sort of subtly talk about somebody. Uh, it might be something like this. Um, wow, she's really climbing the corporate ladder. And then... Somebody might say, "Yeah, you know, you know how she's, you know, you know what she's doing to get those promotions." It's a subtle innuendo. It's distortion, and it's hurtful. And if you don't know, even if it's true, you don't have to say it. And then then there's exaggeration. Some of us, I I love this bumper sticker. I might get one. The older I get, the better I was. I, I really like that bumper sticker. You know, we we sort of exaggerate sometimes. We we can lie by not even using language. I heard about this teenager, and his curfew was twelve, and he came home at two, and he was sneaking in. His parents were already asleep, and he's climbing the stairs, and he hits the step that squeaks. Oh, uh, if you're sneaking in, you got to know that step. You know, you got to know where that is. And he hits the step that squeaks, and it rouses his dad. And his dad said, "You know, Paul, is that you? Paul, I chose that. Uh, Paul, is that you?" Yes, dad. What time is it? And and about the time he says, "What time it is?" The cuckoo clock starts to chime. Cuckoo, cuckoo, and the kid does ten more. Cuckoo. You know, sometimes you can you lie without even saying anything. So. There's a a Yiddish proverb, which I like a lot. It says, a half-truth is a whole lie. And and God, again, this is throughout Scripture, but there is this understanding that God is really against us not telling the truth. Let me show you this from Proverbs. Uh, I've never figured this out. By next week, I should know this. Uh, There are six things the Lord Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. (laughs) Which is it? Well, it happens to be seven. Now, notice how many of these have to do with not telling the truth. Haughty eyes, that means you're arrogant. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. At least two and probably three of those have to do with lying. Well, one of them is a lying tongue. That's lying. That's lying. A false witness, that's lying. I would think a man who stirs up dissension kind of also falls in that category of not being truthful or at least stirring up stuff that he really doesn't need to say. In Ephesians, look at this. This is a really cool verse. Let your mind and your heart be new. You must become a new person and be godlike. Stop lying to each other. Old Testament, New Testament, over and over and over again, there's a prohibition against untruth. We, if we're followers of Christ, are called to a better standard than just getting along. We're called to be people who tell the truth. Now, there are a couple ways we do this. One is literal perjury. That's like on a legal system, you, you don't tell the truth. Now, it's really interesting to me, back in the Old Testament law, if you accuse somebody of something and you didn't tell the truth and they found out you weren't telling the truth, whatever penalty that person was going to get by your telling a falsehood, you had to pay that penalty. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. That's really a good way to do it. I I read about a law that was recently passed, I don't remember what state it was in, but If you, as a drunk driver, kill parents of of a child, you then have to pay child support. I think it was Oklahoma. You have to pay child support until that child turns 18. Uh, There's some brilliance to that. You have caused irreparable damage, and the least you can do is pay. There is consequence to your actions. It's kind of like this. If you accuse somebody falsely, And it's found out that you were telling an untruth, then you had to pay basically the fine that they were going to have to pay. There's um to falsely accuse somebody, you are taking away from them one of their most valuable things. The the Bible says a good name is more desirable than great riches. A good name is to be esteemed, is better than silver or gold. When you falsely accuse somebody, maybe in a business dealing, you know, they stole or they cheated or whatever, and it really isn't true, then you have damaged their reputation. Here's the thing about telling a falsehood. Everybody might not believe it, but somebody probably will believe it. And so if you damage somebody's character by what you say, what you accuse them of, you have Taking a little piece of them that they can't get back. You've probably all heard that old story about a guy and and he spread rumors and and then eventually he repented. But he'd spread rumors about a guy for, for a long time, years and years and years. And he eventually repented and he went to the guy and he said, man, I'm really, really sorry. What can I do to make it up to you? And the guy said, well, I want you to take a feather pillow and I want you to stand on your roof and throw the feathers out of the pillow. The guy thought it was a, an odd request, but he was trying to make recompense. You know, he's trying to uh, make good, and so he does that. He takes the feather pillow, he gets on the roof, he throws the feathers. The next day he comes back to the guy and he said, okay, I did that, now what do you want me to do? And the guy said, I want you to go back and get all the feathers. And he said, it's impossible. I can't gather up all those feathers. He goes, that's the point. You've damaged my character, and we can't undo that. I appreciate, he said, I appreciate you coming to me and I appreciate you making the effort, but sometimes you just can't unring a bell. So that's why giving false testimony is so so hurtful, as is gossip. Over and over in Scripture, it talks about not gossiping. Look at this. A large forest, this is James, a large forest can be set on fire by a little flame. The tongue is that kind of flame. It is a world of evil among the parts of our bodies. The tongue sets our lives on fire and is itself set on fire from hell. People have tamed all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, yet no one can tame the tongue. Have you ever been around somebody that just wants to gossip all the time? Here's the thing about gossip. If you say something about somebody, even if it's true, you're still violating the the spirit, at least the spirit of the ninth commandment. If you if you gossip about somebody, even if it's true, you're breaking the spirit of the commandments. We we used, I mean, I, I've always grown up in church, so I kind of know church gossips more than any other kind of gossips. And there were uh, there was a couple there were a couple people in our my hometown my home church growing up, and uh, almost every Sunday they were telling something about something, and Daddy would come home at at, at lunch and. Yeah, he would say, they have enough mouth for three sets of teeth. Uh, there are some people that, that just like to talk, you know, just like to say things. And, and then sometimes we fear well, if, if I push back against gossip, then it's going to damage our relationship. Here's a truth I think we all need to understand refusing to participate in gossip isn't going to jeopardize a healthy relationship, it's just not. If they are gossips and they don't like you, if you want here's the thing about a gossip if if they'll gossip to you about somebody else, there's a really, really good chance they'll gossip about you to somebody else. Why would you want to be involved in that? Now, as a pastor, people couch this a lot of times as a prayer request. Preacher, I'd like to share a prayer request. We need to pray about this situation so and so is doing so and so so here's as a pastor now I'm, I'm an old pastor so I've, I've gained some wisdom hopefully in my life and, and I will say to them okay let's do this you and me we're going to pray about that, that prayer request <laughs> we will pray about it right now and then we're not going to talk about it anymore I'm not going to talk about it anymore and I'm going to ask you not to talk about it anymore and if it's a prayer request that we need to go talk to somebody about let's go do that but let's handle it in-house. Let's not just be gossips. Let's just not do that. Because here's the truth about, about honesty. Honesty means everything you say is true. It doesn't mean that everything that's true you have to say. It could be true and the mo- maybe the most godly thing you do is to just not open your mouth. You don't have to say everything you know. Even if it's true. You don't always have to say it. I, this is one of the most convicting verses in Scripture. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. That's, a pretty, that's pretty harsh. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. We have to get control of our tongues. What we say. I had a lady say to me one time, I thought it was a compliment and then I thought about it after it was over with. She said, preacher, every sermon you preach is better than the next. Think about that just for a 2nd What <laughs> Wasn't even Christian. You know, it's not even nice. Oswald Chambers, this great Christian one time, said God never gives us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. Part of what we're called to do is to help each other. So now, as a pastor sometimes, uh, I'm asked to write uh, letters of recommendation. Uh, I don't do it as much anymore, but I've done this before. Sometimes it's hard to say something nice about somebody. Did your mom ever say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all? So I figured it out. i got a couple of suggestions for you. I'm going to help you with this. Let's say you've been asked to write a letter of recommendation, and this person is extremely lazy. Lazy. I started writing this. In my opinion, you'll be very fortunate to get this person to work for you. (laughs) (laughs) To describe an ex-employee who had problems getting along with other workers, this is what you write. I am pleased to say this candidate is a former colleague of mine. It's good. To describe an applicant who is not worth further consideration, I would urge you to waste no time in making this candidate an offer for employment. It's good. Last one To describe a person with lackluster credentials. All in all, I cannot say enough good things about this candidate or recommend him too highly because I can't. That's that kind of whole point. Somebody one time said, the closest we get to perfection is our resume. Uh, one in three Americans, and this is an old statistic. I bet, it's, I bet it's higher than that today. One in three Americans lie on their resumes. Really interesting stuff. How we have a tendency to bolster what we, uh, what we think about ourselves. The Port Authority in New Jersey one time put an ad out they were looking for electricians and so to sort of weed out the candidates they asked for electricians who had expert who were expertise in Sontag connectors Sontag connectors you know what those are they're not anything uh, it's not a thing but 170 people said it was a thing and they were really good at it so and uh, so they just eliminated those folks because they weren't Telling the truth. And then Jesus raises the bar. I tell you that men and women will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. I'm going to tell you the truth. I hate that verse. Every careless word. For by your words you'll be acquitted and by your words you'll be condemned. Just think about it just for a second. Just think. Let's say when you pass away, you and Jesus have lunch together. Probably a nice lunch. Taco Bell. KFC. They're combined. Uh, You can have either. And you're there and you're sitting with Jesus. Now think about giving an account for every careless word. That's... That is not um, well, frightening. Is not the right word. It, it is troubling. It troubles me because I don't know about you, but I've given careless words before. I've not always told the truth. There's uh, psychologists have something they call habituation. I'll, I'll explain it. All right, habituation is all right. So you buy a new house and you move into the new house and it has stuff you want to fix. And you notice that stuff. And when you first move in, you can hardly stand it, right? One of the, one of the plates is skewed, you know, the electrical plates, or, or uh, this door doesn't close exactly all the way, or it squeaks. And, and so when you first move in, you, you notice all these things. And then you don't fix them, and you've lived there a while, and you start to not notice them. And then five years down the road, you've lived there for five years and you don't even look at it anymore because what was noticeable at first isn't noticeable at all. When I was driving in today, I thought about, hey, habituation happens when you drive. Because when I'm driving, I, I go the same route. I, I drive you know, down Reed School Road and go on State Park Road. I kind of know where every one of the potholes is. I know where they all are. I don't have to think about it anymore. In fact, I, I kind of find myself, I'm thinking about something else and I'm kind of I'm, I'm dodging those things because I know where they are. I don't have to think about when my uh, 16-year-old daughter, 15-year-old daughter, when she's driving, I don't know how she can do it. She hits every one of them. It's like, hey, honey, those holes, you should avoid those. That's really kind of part of driving is not hitting the holes. Um, but I, I don't even think about missing the holes now. I, I, I drive a manual transmission. You know how many times I think about changing gears? Rarely. You know, I hardly ever think about it. You just you shift gears. Because once you get used to it, once you get used to it, you don't have to think about it anymore. Once we get used to not telling the truth, it becomes a habit. It, it becomes something we just do. And and it's, it's not a good habit. It's a habit we need to break. And so, we'll say things like... Um, I don't think I I read your email, or uh, I I was stuck in traffic, or um, I meant to call, that kind of thing. See, the Bible tells us that we are called to be truthful. We're we're to tell the truth. We're to speak it as often as we can. Dallas Willard tells us a cute little story about a little girl named Larissa. She was two and a half years old. Her grandmother was watching her this one particular day and grandmother was on the porch and Larissa found the mud hole in the yard. She had really never played with mud before, but now she's discovered it and there's water and there's dirt and all of a sudden she's making mud. And grandmother turns around and she sees that Larissa has gotten into the mud. And grandma picks her up and takes her inside and cleans her off and brings her back out and she says, now Larissa, no more mud well, if you've ever been around two-and-a-half-year-olds, they have a tendency to do what they want to do, and uh, Larissa goes back to the mud hole, and she just looks at it. Wow. I bet they were speeding, and, and if they get caught, I bet they lie about it. Uh, we could all be witnesses. Uh, yeah, <laughs> We heard them. They were going really fast. Larissa goes back to the mud hole, and she's just looking at it, and Grandma now has turned her chair around, so she's watching, and... And Larissa, as only a a sweet little two-year-old can do, says, don't look at me, Nana, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And Nana, of course, turns her chair around. And as he tells the story, every few minutes she would say, now don't look at me, Nana, okay? Even at two we understand there are things we're not supposed to do. And maybe one of the prayers that we're most commonly praying is, God, don't look at me. Because I'm in this situation and I don't want to be in trouble. You're, you're, the police officer stops you. And you want to say, well, uh, I didn't know I was speeding. I didn't see the posted sign. I, my speedometer's broken. Not that I would know how this works, but I've heard of people doing that kind of stuff. We don't want to tick it so we'll not be truthful. And yet David said it this way. He said, search me, God. Know my heart. Test Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Too many times we're saying, God, don't look at me. When we should be saying, God, search me. So, how do we tell the truth? What are the rules? Well, tell it consistently. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4, 15. Love should always make us tell the truth. Tell it consistently. You all know that old story about the boy who cried wolf, right? He didn't tell the truth, he didn't tell the truth, and all of a sudden, nobody believes him anymore. I heard this cute little story about a a woman named Jane, and, and she was walking with her mother in the park. Jane lived away, and her, she, she's visiting her mom. They're walking in the park, and they they meet the preacher, walking in the park. And Jane's mom's having some small talk, and the preacher said, "Is this Jane? I haven't seen her since she was a little girl." And the mom says, "Yes, she's 24 now." Well, Jane was 35, and she's thinking, well, "Mom, maybe losing her mind," you know. So uh, she didn't say anything. But the preacher walks on, and she said, "Mom, I'm I'm not 24. I'm 35." And the mom says, yeah, I know, but I've been lying about my age so long now, I have to lie about yours. Uh, That's what lies do to us. If we're not always truthful, we have to try to keep up with all the lies. Who was it? Um, Sir Walter Scott is the one who said, oh, what a tangled web we weave, when first we practice to deceive. People, it says, who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. So we tell the truth. We tell it consistently. Because here, lying sabotages success, it destroys relationships, and maybe most importantly, it damages our character. We don't want to be people like that, so we're going to tell the truth consistently. Then we're going to tell it, same verse, by the way, but we're going to another point. We're going to tell the truth lovingly. Love should always make us tell the truth. If you tell somebody the truth but you don't do it lovingly, it it can be like a hammer against them. Two things I know about uh, helping somebody change. People change easier and faster when you speak the truth in love. People will perceive truth without love as an attack. And so you just, you wrap the truth in love. Look what it says in Ephesians here. Say only what is good and helpful to those who are ta- you're talking to and what will give them a blessing. The Bible constantly tells us Love one another and build each other up. That's what we're called to do. So we tell the truth lovingly. We tell it consistently. We tell it tactfully. We tell it tactfully. Careless words, stab like a sword. This is throughout the Bible. But wise words bring healing. We need to hurt people or heal people with our words. We've got to contemplate before we communicate is what we really should say. Wise people always think before they speak. There was a, a desert nomad. I'm going to end with this story. There was a desert nomad and he woke up in the middle of the night and he was hungry. He was inside his tent, so he lit a candle. And he bit into one of the dates he had brought and he found a worm. Throws it outside. Takes a bite of the second date. Worm. Throws it outside. Now he's thinking to himself, man, if I keep this up, I'm not going to have anything to eat. So he blew out the candle and ate the rest of the dates here is the truth sometimes we prefer darkness and denial to light and reality and Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free here here's the here's the difference the truth sets you free and lies enslave you so when God says don't bear false witness don't give false testimony ultimately tell the truth because the truth sets you free let's pray father thank you for this word and for the ability you have to to get to the nub of the issue we we lie and we we fudge the truth because we're maybe afraid of somebody what somebody might think or Of the consequences. But you call us to be truthful. And when we are, we can trust that you will take care of the consequences. We're thankful for your guidance and your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.